um, in my prayer journal and during my prayer time this morning just seeking God for the word that he has for us and crying a lot this morning I don't know why <laughs> trying to vent I guess <laughs> Um, but the scripture, and it goes with our, our song, Made for More, that I love because it's about who we are. It's, who, it's our purpose. It's what God's made us for. And um, so it's Jeremiah 29, 11, and let's see here. So I don't, I'm not sure what version this is, but I'll read this version and you can read along on the screen. Um, but the main part of this, this is Jeremiah, right? He's speaking, uh, the Lord is speaking to him for the, his people, the Israelites. And a lot of people read this verse. It's for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I needed to hear that this morning. But I got to let you know that when, when the Lord gave Jeremiah this verse, the Babylonians were breaking down the walls of Jerusalem to take the Israelites captive. And they went into captivity. And isn't that like, it's just crazy. Because God knows the plans that he has for us, and they're good. And sometimes we're like that. We're like the Israelites that they're getting, we're getting attacked. We're getting you know, taken, we're, problems are happening, people are sick, we're, we're, we don't know how to deal with things, the enemy's attacking us, but God says, don't worry, I have a plan for you, and his plan is the one, if we trust him, that will work for our lives, he will bring it to pass, just like he did for the Israelites, he didn't, he didn't stop the attack because he couldn't. Because he operates by the law of freedom. We have the freedom to choose his salvation or not. We can say, nope, I don't want it. Or, or we can say yes, and that's where the true love comes in. Because without freedom to love, there's no love. It's, it's, just, a, it's just like a robot. And so God wants us to choose freely. So anyway, as we sing this morning and we come into worship, let's just think about Jesus and what he's done for us, that he has a plan, and it's good. And that's what we have to trust. And as we look to him this morning, just open up your hearts, your voices, your minds, your bodies, and, and enter into worship. Um, and then we will, 
I don't know where Chris went. Oh. So anyway, as we uh, prepare to partake, one of the keys of communion is that it is the time where we actually partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, which he commands us to do in the word. And he said it to his disciples, and he preached it. One day, he said, if you don't eat my body and you don't drink my blood, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And that day, he lost a lot of followers because they were like, what is he talking about? But later, and this is so important, I was looking this up this morning. It was the night before he was crucified. The very night before. Such a crucial time. His last message to his disciples, the very last thing that he told them to do, and he told them to do it, and he's telling us to do it. That's why it is in the word. And he said to do this in remembrance of me, to remember me. And he said, come together. They came together, the disciples and Jesus, like a family in the upper room. It was the Passover supper, and they were there to share it with each other. But he told them the secret to that message that he gave that day where he lost hundreds of followers, and it was he held up the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he held up the cup of wine, and he said, this is my blood. So he told them the secret. He told them the mystery that would get them through every disciple. Twelve disciples were martyred. They were martyred for Christ. And John was the only one who he was, they tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil, but he didn't die. And some people believe he never died, that Jesus just took him. But each disciple They needed his body. They needed his blood to survive. They needed his body. They needed his blood for the mission ahead. And I'm telling you this morning, this is our mission. Because Jesus is coming back. And we have to prepare, just like John the Baptist said, prepare ye the way. We have to prepare. And one of our number one things that Jesus himself said, you must eat my body and drink my blood. And how you do it is the bread and the wine. And by faith, that bread and that wine, it becomes the body and the blood of Jesus. His DNA into our DNA. The body broken for our healing. And this morning, I want you to take a minute, and I want you to think, who do you know who needs healing? Who do you know who's broken, who's hurting? 
could be broken mentally, spiritually, physically, need healing. This is why God came. It's why it's one of his names. Lizzie reminded me of it this morning when we were talking about mom's toe. God can heal it. God is healer. No matter what we do, no matter what Band-Aid we use, no matter what cream we use, no matter what procedure we go through, God is healer. Jehovah Rapha. So we're going to sing this song together. I love this song. And I I love the guy that sings it. That's why we're going to do the video. And Effie, can you run back and turn the lights off so we can see it a little better? So it has the words on it, and we can sit, you can sing it together or you can just listen to it, but try to absorb the message. Jesus is our healer. His body was broken for our healing. And when we partake of his body, the bread, we're just going to pray this morning, and we're going to believe together because God says when we come together, this is why we come to church Because when we come together, his power falls into our life. It gives us faith to keep going. That's what this is all about. So let's sing this song together. And as you're singing it or reading it, listening, I want you to pray in your heart for anyone you know who needs healing. I want you to pray it in your heart, in your mind. Anyone you know who's broken, right? We could all raise... Ten hands if we had ten hands for the people we know who need God's healing in their life. So let's watch this together, and then we'll partake. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Isaiah 53, another old prophet, even before Jesus came, In Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he took up our infirmities, and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But, he was pierced when they put the sword in his spot in his side on the cross when they put the nails in his hands he was pierced for our transgressions for our sin so we could be clean we could be free of sin we could be cleansed thank you buddy make sure you get one for yourself did everybody get one Thank you, bud. He was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And let's say this together. By his wounds, we are healed. Let's say it again. And by his wounds, we are healed. Let's say it one more time. And by his wounds, 
we are healed. So let's take the bread together. You just got to peel off that little top. Julia hates these, but we, we had to do it today, Jewel. Sorry. Next time you can make homemade bread. <laughs> oh, I, all right, hold on. the video where it shows you how to undo these? Everybody have, does everybody have the bread? Everybody but me <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to hold it up together as a body, as, as the body of Christ sitting here today. We are the body. We are the children of Christ. If we believe in him and Jesus this morning, we tell you anew, we believe in you. We believe in your cross. We believe in your death and resurrection. We believe that by your wounds we are healed. And so we're going to break that bread, break that little wafer like Jesus did in the upper room, and let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your healing this morning on those that we're praying for, on those we're believing for, on ourselves. Lord, we receive your healing. We receive it. And then we're going to take the blood. We're going to take the wine that represents the blood of Jesus poured out for our cleansing. Nothing you can do can cleanse you. You can't be good enough. You can't, I don't care if you're a priest and you live in the church and every single second you give to Christ. It doesn't matter. It's his blood that cleanses us. Clean, clean, brand new, white as snow. That's what the Bible says, white as snow. So we're going to lift it to you, Jesus, and we thank you, Lord. We lift it to you. We lift it. We look at the cross. We think of your resurrection. And we praise you that for the blood that you shed for our, the forgiveness of our sin. Let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you this morning for each person here who by faith, we're going to stand together this week by faith, right? Are we going to stand together by faith and we're going to proclaim healing and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ephraim, would you like to go back and turn the lights back on? Thank you, Ephraim.
Grace, would you like to come on down? Time for us to take up an offering, amen? So, Father, we just thank you and we just praise you, Lord God, for the tithes that you're bringing into this place. We thank you, Lord God, that you promise us a blessing upon blessings that we cannot contain, Lord God, when we give into your kingdom cheerfully, Lord God, and just thankfully. And we, I just thank you that we can give to you, Lord God. And I just give you all the honor and glory and praise for this day and what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing in this little country church up here on the hill, Lord God. I just thank you and praise you for all your blessings and that you've been with us always. You've never failed us or forsaken us. And Lord, you will continue to be our shield and covering. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Jehovah Rapha. I just wish I had a voice like that guy, huh? It's amazing. Well, the title of my sermon today is God is Our Shield. God is our shield, and if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be reading from uh, verse 1 through 12 this morning. This morning as I was uh, reading the Word and reading this, I know God was speaking to me about it because it touched my heart. Because it was such an encouragement to me. And I hope it's an encouragement to you as it was to me. God will never leave us. Those who are faithful to God, God is faithful to them. Those who might be struggling, those who might be in all kinds of going through all kinds of trials and tests, God is always there. He is always there for you. As he was for you know this story, boys, don't you? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the king tossed them into the fiery furnace and they said who is this fourth man in there it was Jesus huh just as we go through our own trials and our own fiery furnaces Jesus is always there amen I want to share this with you from first Peter chapter 1 and 12 It says, Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. And when I read that, it just 
grabbed me. God shields us with his power. God shields us with his power. I don't have to be afraid of anything. I don't have to worry about anything. No matter what's happening today, I don't have to worry about it because God is shielding me with his power. Not my own. And not by my strength, Chris can be saved. But it's by God's strength. And it's by God who we're saved. And God will shield you. He will protect you. Just like he protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Boys in the fire. They came out, they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out of the fire. And the guards that went looking to see who was in there were consumed because the furnace was so hot. But they walked out of that fire not even smelling like smoke. Amen? Because God will shield us by His own power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times or in the last days. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, I don't know about you, but... I think everybody here has been through a trial or two, right, in their lives. I mean, as you grow and get older, you have trials. You have challenges in life that sometimes are very hard. You have loss. We experience loss. And it's not easy. But God will be there. He promises to shield you. He promises to be there with you through those times of trials. It says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you know, this is amazing, because this is Peter talking to the Jews at that time. You know, Peter, had a, he walked with Jesus for, you know, three years. He was taught by Jesus. He experienced Jesus. He experienced God in the flesh like none of us have ever. But he's also saying, for those that have never seen Jesus... Like that, in the flesh. I'm talking to you. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Right? We all love Jesus. We all believe in Jesus. And if, if you don't, then I suggest you start. <laughs> He'll never fail you or forsake you. Amen? He'll shield you and protect you, especially in these coming days, in these trials that we're going to be facing. 
I mean, I don't know, but life to me is not getting any easier. It's getting much harder out there. It's not getting any easier. We have to hold on. You know, that song, I noticed in that song, it says, hold on. We've got to hold on to the garment of Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, you know, all, she believed that all she had to do was touch Jesus' garment and she'd be healed. All we got to do is touch, reach out and touch Jesus. Last week I preached on pressing in. We got to keep pressing in and pressing in and pressing in. Even though we feel like we have resistance right there in your face, like you, like you hit a brick wall, we can't let that stop us. We got to keep pressing in. We got to keep digging deeper. We got to keep pressing into the kingdom, into God, into His promises. And then we got to hold on to them, and then we got to believe in them. Because it's by faith that we are saved. Not by our works, no any man should boast, the Bible says. But it's by faith. <clears throat> we believe in Jesus by faith. We believe that God's word is the written word of God, holy. We believe it by faith. Not only that, but we have all of the prophecies that we can see being fulfilled. And even in our day, we're living in great and powerful days. You know, glorious days. Some of the prophets long to see the days that we're living in right now. Because they prophesied about these days thousands of years ago. You know? They saw them in a vision or what God spoke to them through them. And then they wrote it down. They long for the days that we're living in. They're longing for the day when they see Jesus coming on the clouds on a white horse. That's going to be a glorious, it says the Bible says that's going to be a glorious day and a dreadful day. It's going to be a glorious day for those that believe and stand on his word. It's going to be a dreadful day for those that disbelieve. But for us, it's a glorious day. <clears throat> Let me read back from verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently. And with, this, and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. Those prophets weren't serving themselves at that time. They were serving us. For those, they were talking about us, the future generations that would come after the sufferings of Christ, which is that is the crucifixion of Jesus. And looking into the times when all these glorious things were happening. 
We're living in glorious days right now. You know, the, the Bible predicts a time where it's come, will be coming when we will be doing the greater works, the greater things. You know, Jesus himself said it. He said, you've seen all these things that I've done. You've seen me. I've walked on water. I healed the sick. I gave sight to the blind. I raised the dead. He goes, you guys are going to do greater things than those. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I can't even fathom what's coming for, the, for those that believe. It says here, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels longed to look into these things. Even the angels are amazed at what God is going to do in the days that we're living in right now. We have so much to look forward to. We have so much to hold on to. You know, one of the great verses that I've always held on to my whole life, you know, when I first got saved and I just was so hungry for God's word and I tore through the Bibles like, like I was just constantly reading the Bible. I didn't want to do much of anything else, but I just wanted to understand what God was saying and what was happening and, and, and just to dig deeper into, the, into God and in the mysteries of the Word that God said there's mysteries in there. And, and as a young man at the time, you know, when I heard of the word mysteries, it's like an adventure, you know. It's like I want to go on an adventure with Christ. I want to find out what these mysteries are i want to solve them right so one of the verses and i know god was uh spoke to me about it when i was first saved and one of the promises god gave me was in the book of joshua and it's joshua chapter 1 verses 5 through 9 and this is a promise and we can hold on to the same promise you know, this was a promise to Joshua at the time, but these are also promises for us, especially in the times that we're living in. It says here, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. My wife knows I've said this a million times. God promises He'll never leave us nor forsake us. When things go get tough, when we go through trials, you know, God is your shield. He will cover you and protect you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you in those trials. He promises that, hey, God, you're going to be with me. This isn't pretty, this isn't nice, and this isn't easy, and I don't know how to deal with it in my own strength, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely on you and not on myself. And you know what? When we get through this, it's like we read in 1 Peter, it's going to refine us like, like fire refines us. And it's going to purify us and it's going to make us stronger. Right? It's going to shore up my foundation. You know, I'm, I went through that trial. These other trials that are coming up against me, they're nothing compared to what I went through before. Right? And you, you go through those trials and you get stronger and stronger and your faith grows. 
You know, the devil wants to get in there and make those trials so big, like giants, that it makes you feel like you can't overcome them. He wants you to bog you down and get you tied up and hold you back. Because he doesn't want you walking in the promises of God, because he doesn't want you to be who you are, who you're meant to be in the kingdom, and who you're meant to be in Christ. He wants to hold you back and keep you from your calling. That's why you got to press in. So you got to hold on to these verses, and you got to hold on to them like that woman held on to Jesus' garment and not let him go. So when these trials come, you can repeat these things to yourself. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. That's what he was telling Joshua. You're going to lead my people through all these things. I'm going to paraphrase this in Joshua 1, 5 through, 5 through 9. He said, I'm going to use you, Joshua. I'm going, to, I'm going to use you to lead my people through all these things. But you need to be strong and courageous. And he says to them, you need to be very strong and very courageous in that scripture. There's things that will come up against our lives, that come up against our lives, that you need to be strong. You need to be courageous. You need not to be afraid, but you need to be strong. There's going to be trials that are going to be coming against your life that you're going to need to be strong, not just for yourself, but for other people, for those around you, those, those who love you and those who you love. You need to be strong and you need to be courageous. You need to be faithful. You need to walk in faith and you need to walk in courage. To press through it. To go beyond it. Because that's what's going to make you stronger as a person. That's going to help you even in your life, these, the days that we're living in right now. God is telling us today that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. All we have to do is be strong. All we have to do is stand and let God shield us. You know, sometimes when we don't know what to do, the best thing we can do is not do anything at all. And just sit there and be quiet and listen. Let God work. Some of the best advice I can give is sometimes not, is not to give any advice at all because, you know, let God speak to that person. Because God might be speaking to that person and then we interject our own thoughts and our own opinions. And sometimes they're not from God. They're from what we think of. They're from our logic. They're with like common sense. Well, God doesn't work in the natural. I mean, He does, but He's a supernatural being. He works supernaturally. Amen? Amen. So sometimes all we need to do is just stand and be strong. Be faithful. Be courageous. He'll be with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll be with you right there. My wife uh, read this scripture too in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. 
I'm telling you, the two, you know, we've been married now almost 30 years, and the two become one after so long. It's like, I'm down here putting together my sermon and sermon notes, and I'm telling you, God's speaking to the same thing up there. It's amazing. She shared Jeremiah 29 this morning with you, but I want to share verses 11 through 14. It's the same one. I think she said verse 11 up there, but it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be founded by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which, from which I carried you into exile. God has plans. And it's a perfect plan. He had a plan from the beginning of creation to the end of the world. And it's all written right here in his, in his book called the Bible. Right? The one thing that's so great about the Bible is that he tells you his plan ahead of time before he's even going to do it. You know? It's kind of like our uh, president we have that kind of like tells the plans before he's going to do it. You know? So, but I don't want to go there and get involved in politics. But, so, but... God does tell us a plan. He lays it all out before us. He says that he lays it out in the presence of your enemies, right? So that means he's laying out your whole life right there in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of your enemies. And he says to him, this is, going to, what, this is what I'm going to do in his life. This is where he's going to be at this time. This is where I'm bringing him. I'm taking him from here to here, from glory to glory. Amen. And that's what we want to be. We want to be taken from glory to glory to glory to glory. <clears throat> Even though there might be some rough roads on the way there, that's where God's taken us, to glory. Amen? And His plans for us are great plans. And you know, the one thing I believe God was saying to me in that scripture is that God not only is, you know, at that time, the Israelites were going into captivity. They were going into Babylon. You know, and they think, God, you're telling me I have plans for you, great plans, but yet you're taking me into captivity into Babylon. You're taking me out of my country. They're taking a whole tribe of the Israelites out of their country. That's why they're called the exiles. They were exiled off to Babylon. They were marched by the army into Babylon. And here's Jeremiah. Can you imagine being the prophet Jeremiah? Telling the people of Israel at that time, how crazy is this? Jeremiah, wake up, buddy. Don't you think we're, we have, God has great plans for us? He's marching us off into exile to the Babylonians, where we're going to be there for 70 years. That's a great plan. Boy, I want to be part of that one. Right? Can you imagine the prophet Jeremiah? I bet you the, all of Israel just wanted to tell him to shut up. Just shut up. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear another word come out of your mouth. Matter of fact, I want to stone you. You know? I want to pick up a stone and throw it at you. But no, Jeremiah says, no, I have great plans for you. 
plans to prosper you. Why, you just took my whole house, all my lands and everything that I've ever had and worked for and gave it to the Babylonians. But God says, no, I have great plans. I have plans to prosper you. And I have plans to prosper you even in your exile, even in Babylon. You're not listening. God is going to prosper you. What do you think happened to the, all of Israel when they went to Egypt? You know, when they first went to Egypt, Jacob took the 12 tribes down there because there was a famine in the land and he couldn't feed all of his family or his flocks. And then they went to Egypt and they prospered and they grew into a mighty nation in Egypt. And then the Egyptians saw that the Israelites were growing and prospering. We need to, we need to enslave these people and put them to work for us. And that's when, they, that's when it got bad. That's when it got crept in there and then they had to send Moses to deliver them out. The deliverer, right? God's their deliverer. But they prospered there and they grew just like they prospered in Babylon, and they grew because God had a plan from the beginning. Even though it didn't look too good or promising, it was a plan that he had. Amen? And it was to turn the hearts back of the Israelites to God. That's what God was saying to us right there. Those who seek me will find me. Those who I lead into captivity, I will bring out. I believe what's going to happen in these days that we're living in right now is that there are people that are captive. There are people that have fallen away from the church. You know, we've seen this happen after COVID. You know, not even 50% of the church came back after COVID, right? Not even 50% of the church came back to church after COVID. They've been, they've been taken captive, basically. What's happening, I believe, right now in our time is that God is going to take those captives and bring them back. Because those captives have been out in the world now long enough. They're like, you know, I've tasted this world, and it's not good. All the promises of the world, all, you know, everything that the world has to offer, where has it gotten me? Have I, my, my life gotten any better? My spiritual life gotten any better? My walk with God any better? Do I feel any better? I mean, how does it feel to be out there in the world living like crazy man? I mean, I did it in my time, and trust me, it wasn't no good. That was 30 years ago when God saved me, called me out of that. You know, Julie, did you say park bench? <laughs> I won't go there. Homeless on a park bench. There you go, I had to say it. In the middle of, middle of the country of Utah, Middle of nowhere, homeless on a park bench. God took me from park bench to pulpit. You know, I'm going to write a book on it one of these days. From park bench to pulpit. I mean, it was amazing. So, but anyways, now I'm off my thoughts here. Anyways, God is for us. Basically, he's for us. We seek him. He promises that he is going to find us. We seek God with all our heart. His promise is right there. We just read it. He will find us. He will hear you. He will save you. He will shield you. He will protect you. He will cover you. And I believe, like 
those people that are out there and that, that left the church to go into the world for a while, he's calling those captives back. They've been, they've been taken captive by the enemy. And then they real, there's, I think they're waking up and realizing this. And they're being called back because there's been a drawing. I, I, can, I know it from the people I talk with at work. There, there's been a drawing of what's, you know, of coming back to the Lord, questioning. You know, I think the Lord's speaking to me, not to me, but this is what they're saying. I think God is speaking to me about this thing, and they send me these messages, and I'm like, wow, that is God speaking to you. You know, listen, my advice, when you feel like God's speaking to your heart, stop and listen, you know. I mean, here's a... An example of that called Eli in there with Samuel. Now, Eli wasn't a good priest, but he did give good advice once to Samuel. You know, you know Eli Eli's, uh, was struck down by God as a high priest because he couldn't control his sons, basically. Right? His sons were in all kinds of sin, and Eli knew it, and he couldn't get a hold. He couldn't control them. He couldn't get a hold of them. Right? And God, God told Eli, killed his sons right in front of him, and then he killed Eli. But Eli told the prophet Samuel, you know, because Samuel was dedicated to God as a child, into the kingdom, into the ministry, you know, into serving God his whole life. And he walked as a powerful prophet of God. And this was in David's day. This was the first kings of King Saul's time even. But, so Samuel was at night in his room, and he kept hearing God speak to him. And he thought it was Eli. So he would run over to Eli's room. And he said, here I am, Eli. What is it that you're saying? And Eli would say, well, I'm, again, paraphrasing. Eli would say, no, I'm not talking to you. Go back to bed. You know, go back to bed. And it happened like two or three times. Then Eli said, you know, that must be God. Just say to God, here I am, Lord, what do you want to do with me? Here I am, Lord, what do you want to do with me, basically? Here I am, Lord, use me. I believe people's hearts are hearing God these days, and, they're, and they're, God is drawing them. Because you know why? These days that we're living in are the end days. Everybody can see it. It's not... You don't have to be a rocket scientist about it. You read the Bible, you know the Bible confirms everything that's going on. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, floods, earthquakes, the whole nine yards. It's happening right now in our, in our lifetime. You know, we see it happening. <clears throat> and people are questioning that. And they're wondering what's going on. And that's God drawing them to him. Because God's will is not one to be lost, but all to come into the knowledge of his son, Jesus, and be saved, basically. So, but don't be afraid. I've got scriptures up here that you guys can look up um, for coverings, for God's shielding. There, you know, King David was a great, you know, he, he sang praises and worshiped God. The greatest king, probably the, one of the greatest kings, or the greatest king that ever was on the face of the earth besides Jesus, you know, who's coming back. But um, if you just want to post these scriptures up there, Joe, I don't know if you can, so they can look them up in their own time. But Psalms 18, 1 through 3,
talks about God being a covering and a shield. Psalms 28, 7, God is my shield, my refuge, my fortress. Proverbs 35, so if you have a pen, you can write it down. I mean, everybody's got, got phones, you can make notes in your phones. You can look up those scriptures this week, pray them, believe them, stand on them, stand on faith. My wife is like, i got to hold this thing up here to my mouth because so my mother-in-law can hear me. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I just... Proverbs 35. It might be in a different version that I had. Proverbs, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Proverbs 35. No? Thir no, 35? Oh, my. Not 35. 30, verse 5. 30, verse 5. All right, let's go. There's no Proverbs 35. No. There's a Proverbs 30, verse 5. There you go. Let's clarify that. Just make it straight. Make straight ye the path of the Lord. Amen. Proverbs 35. Let's see here. Make sure I got it. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Amen. So Proverbs 30. Verse 5, Psalms 28, verse 7, and Psalms 18, verse 1 through 3. That'll be your homework, and you can meditate on those scriptures this week. Amen? All right, so Father, all right, I want to do one thing, because we need to be praying for Joan's foot, her toe. All right, how does it look this morning? You see it?